Hi, this is Tony at Cover Magazine. I'm speaking to Reza Hendricks, a portfolio manager at PPS Investments. Reza, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having me, Tony. Brilliant. Um, Reza, we um, sort of talking a little bit about um, the year that was and maybe looking a bit forward and so on. We've come to the end of the year. Um, it's been quite an interesting, um, probably past couple of years for investments with investors um, and even wealth managers and so on, sort of having to tread quite warily as to where they put money and because of all the uncertainties and so on. So maybe just from your side, you know, when you look back at uh, 2023, um, <clears throat> what was sort of um, sort of some of the standout events for you that was impacting investment decisions and outcomes? Absolutely, Tony. Um, so the past couple of years have, have definitely been um, no short of um, surprises. But but this year, once again, I think what has surprised, uh, I think, is the resilience of, of not only um, um, our local economy, but also the global economy, and in particular, the US, in fact, where we've seen economic growth really surprised positively. Um, I think coming into this year, uh, there was a wide-held expectation that uh, the U.S. economy might, in fact, tip into a recession. Um, and so there was some trepidation at the start of the year. Um, but as things, as the as the year progressed, um, and uh, there was this view that really the economy um, was still quite robust, uh, looking at various indicators, um, that really just gave markets a little bit of a green light. And we saw uh, foreign equities in particular rally on the back of some uh, those positive economic surprises. Um, I think looking at the source of where most of the equity market returns came from, that also might have surprised some, where we saw tech once again uh, drive drive uh, global equities, and in particular the US. Um, and there it was all about artificial intelligence and a lot of excitement around that. So, so that was another thing that I think uh, another defining characteristic of this year. Um, and then perhaps lastly, and um, maybe the thing that's been front and center of investors' minds throughout the year has been um, we, uh, the level of interest rates that have, as we know, they've gone up so rapidly and they've gone up, um, they've, um, they're at that multi, multi-year highs. Um, and so really the level of interest rates are, are, have, been, have been a defined um, characteristic of this year. Um, and really, just the questions around that is this: is this the top of the of the rate cycle? Can we expect more further hikes? Are we going to see cuts? Um, just given that inflation has started to come down, so those are some of the some of the key things that I would highlight from this year. So, just based on on what you've said now, I mean, there it's such a varied number of things that impacted the market and that sort of changed directions of where. Uh, um, investors should be going or did go, etc. Is it possible with all this sort of uncertainty, etc., to determine where the money will go and where the opportunities will be in 2024? Yes, so I think um, just reflecting on this past year, as we mentioned, it's all it's it's been about. Um, 
the macro outlook effectively. It's been a very macro-driven environment that we've been in, and it's sort of revolved around growth on the one side, on inflation, as well as on interest rates. And so, and of course, there's an interplay between between um, those those three key um, um, economic variables. And so, I think heading out into into the following year, I think those things will continue to dominate. Um, I think it will continue to be um, quite a macro-driven environment. Um, but it really will come back to uh, what is the growth outlook. Um, if we look at what economists are predicting, um, the IMF, for example, another institution, um, they are predicting growth to s- slow um, very slightly. And so um, there are very few uh, um, sort of predictions out there for an outright deep recession next year. We are seeing varied uh, levels of strength across economies, um, but it's it's possible that growth might not actually slow down as much as what people fear. So I would say heading into next year, the big question mark is is, is growth and why is that important? Um, it's because growth assets ultimately look at the growth outlook and they respond to how that growth outlook evolves. So I would say uh, dependent on what the growth outlook is, that will ultimately pave the way for what growth assets will do. Um, but also next year, it's really going to be about central banks, which have now tightened monetary policy quite significantly, and whether or not they will deliver on these rate cuts that um, as as uh, markets have been pricing in. Markets are, seem to be quite optimistic in terms of their rate cutting um, expectations. Um, which may or may not come through. Um, central banks are in a predicament um, in that they have hiked aggressively uh, because inflation has gone up significantly. Uh, what we've seen, though, is that inflation has now come down, um, not entirely to the levels that central banks would like them, so not at those target central bank levels, but inflation has come down a lot. So the question is, when will central banks start to start to cut? Um, and and And... That will really determine whether or not one wants to be uh, in cash or bonds or equities. It's all about this macro outlook. Um, what I would say, the consensus view is that is that there is a chance we might have um, avoided a recession, this soft landing sort of scenario that often gets talked about. Um, but I think it's too early to say because we uh, we really have to see how 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 central banks respond to um, to um, to uh, that to that um, inflation trade um, path. Mm-hmm. And uh, just when you think of um, the South African environment, maybe a little bit more as a you know you were talking about the macro stuff, more about the micro. You know, we're going into a uh, um, an election year next year, etc. How do you think that will change sentiment um, from investors, um, as well as bigger portfolio managers' perspective? Yes. So South Africa is in um, is in an interesting position because what we might, in fact, see is, um, heading into next year is that we might actually see economic growth accelerate, believe it or not. Um, and I'll and I'll uh, just elaborate a bit further on that because what we've seen is that this year economic growth locally has has slowed uh, to roughly one percent is what um, economists are forecasting. Um, but one has to bear in mind that that has been um, over the course of what has been um, the worst load shedding year on record. Um, and so 
not only that, we've also had interest rates um, rise to very high levels and so really constraining consumers' ability to, to spend. But despite, and also on top of that, we've got other SOE issues. Uh, it's not just uh, ESCOM, it's also Transnet that is making uh, the transport of goods and, and uh, um, economic produce quite difficult. Um, so there's a whole uh, confluence of, of headwinds that have been coming at us, but yet growth has, has um, um, uh, we aren't in a recession. Um, so 1% growth this year. And what we actually might see is heading into next year that in that um, election year, as you mentioned, we might actually see, see growth accelerate for uh, temporary reasons and, and really just um, um, a sort of a normalization of that very strong uh, load shedding headwind that we've, that we've had. And so we're quite positive on SA economic growth for next year. Not, we're not saying that growth is going to shoot the lights out, but it's going to be better than yet this year. And so often when it comes to the way that markets respond to um, the economic environment, it's, it's, it's not so much about the level, it's about the, it's about the change. And so um, we're quite constructive on growth locally next year. Um, Absolutely, we uh, we think that there's going to continue to be um, political noise, um, and one is likely to see that ramp up heading into heading into um, sort of closer towards that election time. We know that um, it's quite difficult for markets to price in political um, um, events and political scenarios into into asset prices, and so often what happens is that is that is that um, financial markets tend to tend to try not to price that in. It's just too difficult to price in that um, political uncertainty. Um, where one sometimes sees that sort of risk premium come in is perhaps in bond deals and maybe in the in the performance of one's currency. We saw earlier in this year um, the, um, with the whole Lady R saga, we saw bond deals spike up um, as well as the currency just on the uncertainty around around the political regime and what this might mean um, in the wake of what we saw um, uh, through the um, through the um, Russia Ukraine war. So. Um, we're cautiously optimistic on SA for next year, leading into that election year. We think that the ANC is going to lose some of its um, some of its um, majority, but we think that they will still once again um, sort of um, come out as the as the dominant uh, political party in SA. Um, and really, uh, the question I suppose one has to ask is is what is the longer term outlook for SA? We know that we are on a path where we've seen debt levels, um, government debt, sovereign debt levels rise over the years. Um, um, we know that our credit rating has been progressively um, uh, cut by rating agencies. And so the longer term outlook for SA, we think is still quite um, probably negative. Um, and that's what's being reflected in bond deals as well as, as, well as perhaps the level of the currency. Um, but there is a window in which SA can actually surprise positively, we think. Okay. Now, uh, that's good news. Um, let's, let's hope that um, uh, you guys have made the right call there. Um, I, I truly hope so. Um, we need a bit of uh, positivity in, on the, um, not just on the investment outlook, but, you know, economically in, in general. Now, um, just in terms of maybe getting a uh, looking back again into the broader environment, et cetera, you know, two of the main 
things globally that we're seeing. Obviously, it's the Middle East, um, the the um, stuff going on there, and then the Ukraine-Russia um, thing. Um, you know, there's always potential for those things to turn um, for for uh, further escalation, etc. And it's an uncertainty. Hopefully, it will. It won't happen. But do you see any red lights in terms of this for investors? Um, anything that they need to take into account in terms of hedging or being more careful for a potential fallout? Yes, uh, there definitely is lots of geopolitical um, volatility and uncertainty out there at the moment. Um, uh, and I think that the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation really just forced um the world, I think, just to focus and to kind of zoom in on how impactful um, these geopolitical uncertainties can be, because all of a sudden it can escalate and then and then um, you end up with a very unexpected um, um, situation. So these things, once again, are quite difficult to forecast. Um, we do know that there are uh, issues in the Far East. You've got China and Taiwan. That is a potential uh, um, um, area that could at any point flare up. Um, uh, as you mentioned, the Middle East, they are, they, uh, that's definitely a sort of a hot spot at the moment. Um, and then surrounding that, you've got, you've got obviously the involvement of the various allies. And, and so it's very difficult to, to forecast how that might, might play out. Um, so we don't spend too much time trying to anticipate, um, what the, how these things might, might play out. Um, Often, often when it comes to market reaction to various things, it's not the things that you are. Um, it's not the known unknowns. It's more the unknown unknowns, uh, if I could call it that. That tends to have a bigger um, um, effect on markets. But I think from our side, um, so some of the concerns, some of the red lights potentially out there is, is really just coming back to the growth story. Um, firstly, uh, so we don't think that. That, that the global economy has felt uh, the full brunt of these much higher interest rates. We think that there is still some some pain to come. And so although I spoke quite positively of South Africa, uh, we're still only neutral in our portfolios, um, uh, not only equities, but bonds as well. So, so we're not underweight. Um, but just coming back to the growth story, that is definitely something that we're still quite concerned about. Um, we do think mm. that that recession that had been expected for this year has just been pushed further out. It, uh, we don't think that it's that it's off the cards. And the reason we say that is firstly because we know that monetary policy has tightened very significantly, and that op and that operates with a lag defect. Often it could be eighteen months up to two years, where um, until such such time that one actually sees the the real effect of that of those interest rates coming through. So we're very cautious on the growth outlook, um, and so that is a red light for us. Uh, we're seeing many indicators tell us that 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 odds of a recession are quite high, whether it be the inverted yield curve, whether it be the level of unemployment um, in the U.S. It could be a uh, uh, credit. Um, um, sort of extension um, lending standards; those have all tightened. So it speaks to to um, to an economy that is um, maybe uh, sort of heading towards a period of weakness. So that's a red light for us. Um, and I suppose that would ultimately be that I think is the is the main thing because because the the growth outlook is the biggest determinant of 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 uh, the outlook for risky assets. I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. You know, not not focusing on one area, but rather have, um, and that I think would be my next question to you, sort of in closing, if you can sort of summarize the PPS approach for 2024 um, in light of all of these um, various impacting factors. Yes, so so we're cautious. Uh, we uh, if 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 one looks at how portfolios are currently positioned, I would say uh, we're moderately or modestly underweight risky assets, and that really speaks to that cautious macro outlook that we have, uh, which revolves around the uncertain growth outlook, the potential for a slowdown, the potential for rates to stay higher for longer, the potential for maybe a resurgence in inflation. We still think that is um, the outlook is quite murky on on various fronts. And so for that reason, we are modestly underweight risky assets. Um, If we look at SA, we're neutral on South African equities, um, neutral on bonds. We overweight cash because we think that one is being actually paid to to hold a more conservative um, portfolio positioning, just given where interest rate and bond yields are. Um, So we're sort of neutral uh, risky assets in SA, overweight cash. And then on the on the global side, we actually underweight um, foreign equities. Um, we overweight global bonds. We overweight cash. So even offshore, we uh, after a multi-year period of very low, close to zero interest rates, you're now actually earning quite a decent yield on cash as well as bonds. So the portfolios, just to sum it up, are modestly underweight risky assets. Um, um we uh, our style is not to be overly tactical so um um we don't we don't upweight and downweight asset classes frantically or hyperactively um we tend to we tend to take a longer term view than what many managers might take even in our tactical process uh and that's a very uh structured process where we've we've got very defined levels of of risky asset exposure for the various states of the world that we think. Um, from a valuation perspective, SA equities, yes, we know they're, we know they're cheap. Um, but if one looks at how the opportunity set has, has, has widened, it just means that on a relative basis, equities are not screamingly cheap. We think relative to other asset classes like cash and bonds. Um, so, mm. yeah, and then perhaps one last point to mention there is that we think that tactical asset allocation adds only a small amount uh, of of outperformance over over the long term. The bigger driver for us as a as a multi manager is we tend to focus more on manager selection, having the right mix of managers, and we think that's a much more reliable source of outperformance um, that one can depend on over time. Okay, that's perfect, Riza. Thank you so much. A lot of um, food for thought there. And um, a lot for me to work with. Thank you so much for um, your time and for sharing your thoughts. It was um, really great chatting. Thanks very much, Tony. It's been lovely talking to you.